This is 1869, Cornell University Press Podcast. I'm Martin B. A couple of weeks ago was the American Anthropological Association uh, annual conference in D.C. And Cornell University Press had our booth as usual. And I was lucky enough to uh, attend and see how things were going. And I thought that we would uh, take a moment to do a little reflecting and recap uh, of the conference. And so I'm joined today by Jim Lance, who is our uh, acquisitions editor for Anthropology. And uh, Jim and I are just going to uh, chit-chat a little bit about the conference and about anthropology and about just, you know, all the different things that surround uh, these kinds of exhibits and events um, and see where it takes us. Hey, Jim, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Martin. It's a pleasure. So we, um, it seems like... Well, it really seems like a long time ago, but we were at the uh, Anthropology Conference in D.C. a couple of weeks, couple of weeks ago? A couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. So um, what did you think? What's your kind of big takeaway? Well, I'm always energized by these conferences. It's always a great pleasure to put faces to names and to meet authors and have one-on-ones talking about their projects. But I was also really, really energized by the theme of the conference, which was Anthropology Matters. And I was reflecting on that as... Um, you and I work together at the booth. Um, anthropology is very much a discipline of listening. And the takeaways I got, and this is a shameless plug for the press, yeah. is that everyone who came to me with a project said that he or she was coming to Cornell because they knew it was a press that listened and cared. And I think, to me, that was the most uh, right. heartening takeaway. Yeah, I think that the listening factor was really interesting because you know I hadn't been to a... A scholarly conference for a few years so you know really my my aim I guess was just to to listen and see and talk to people and I went around you know the book exhibit a lot talking to marketing colleagues and other people around so I, yeah I think that was I agree I think that was probably the big takeaway I also thought the anthropology matters thing they did that really well like the whole you know the whole branding and the theme and yeah, I was. It was. I mean, yeah, it's a huge conference. We know that, but I think they did it really well. So, uh, yeah, kudos to them. Yeah, what no, else? Uh, what else stood out for you? Well, I think the fact that um, you courageously and tirelessly staffed the booth basically for three days uh, was also noted by people, and they were impressed that the marketing director himself would take the time just to do that when other presses usually send quote-unquote underlings to do the job. <laughs> I always felt really bad because um, we're standing there, you know, and we, we only had the single booth, and so there isn't, like, a ton of space in the booth, and you had to keep leaving to go and do your meetings, and you were non-stop. You might have, um, you might have set a record for not being in a booth. At that so probably a good thing to have somebody else <laughs> around, but uh, I, it's, um, I enjoy doing that stuff, as weird as it is, but it's just... It's fun to see people interacting directly with the products that we make, right? I mean, most of the time, at least from my position, I don't get to see people pick up the book because I sell it to a buyer or a bookstore or whatever. And somewhere further down the line, there's an actual person holding it, but we don't see that. So, yeah. Well, it greatly helped me as well, Martin, because one of the um, one of my aspirations and one uh, for the anthro list in particular is to have Cornell. Uh, 
become sort of a go-to press for first-time or younger authors. And part of my entirely sincere pitch is that you're not just getting an engaged editor, you're getting an engaged press. And your presence there and your how you explain the marketing process and procedures and how that fits in with the editorial acquisitions program was very helpful. And I think the word definitely got out that younger authors will find a receptive um, group of people who will listen again to what right. they want to write. Oh, good. Yeah, think, good. Right? yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good, uh, what was like the most um, fun moment for you on a, you know, on any level? Other than going to see the Washington Wizards <laughs> uh, beat the Detroit Pistons in a professional basketball game, I really think the chance for, um, for marketing, for you and me to kind of hang out together, get to know each other, work out a common strategy and set of visions for the press was, for me, the, that was fun. It was right. just fun uh, just chatting with you informally. So that yeah. was, for me, the highlight. I would agree with that. And the other, my other uh, like fun highlight was uh, returning to the booth to find a former colleague giving you a really hard time uh, and <laughs> winding you up. That was, that was pretty amusing. So uh, I enjoyed that. Um, did you did you notice anything you know like um, future oriented that intrigues you or surprised you or anything you know any of those kind of thoughts? Well, based on my meetings, and you were correct, it, I had never I've never had such a consecutive series of days with so many meetings. But I think the the things that I got impressed me about the meetings were that people authors younger authors are taking the the branding anthropology matters to heart. Uh, they're also thinking about um, working more locally in terms of, and by that I mean looking at uh, doing ethnographies and thinking about closer to home projects and, pro and issues uh, in the North America, North American context. They're also thinking about um, the intersections of technology with the social sciences and what anthropology can say about sort of the changing directions of knowledge production of and how what what kind of ancillary things can be added to the book so i think they're kind of thinking hmm. and i fully admit that i'm complete that these conversations are out of my depth but i think there's a direction where people are kind of thinking can anthropology take uh, the book Further. So there's like a digital anthro the, the movement? Digital anthro. Interesting. Uh, how can you make the works accessible to the communities in which they did their work in, in forms that may not take the standard right. codicil type? I mean, we were chatting a little bit about that, type. right, in, in yeah. the booth about uh, the, you know, this sort of desire, understandable desire, to allow the content to be accessed one way or another by the communities that are the subject of the content. Um, and as you say, like a lot of those places, you know, like a, even a $25 book is expensive. Right. Uh, and so we were chatting a little bit in the booth and like, how, how do you do that? How do you, do you make a version of the standard book still, but it's like, you know, uh, you do it as cheaply as possible just for that particular community or region. Um, but I, that the idea of like doing a, a non traditional piece that is available maybe i mean yes maybe that's a 
if you do an open access only for a certain, you have to be, your IP address has to be in a certain place or, yeah. But how do you do that with places that don't necessarily have uh, digital functionality or connection or anything like that? Right. And the people with whom I spoke didn't have any answers to those particular sets of questions. Uh, but I think they, what, what I really liked about this particular meeting, there's a sense of, a renewed sense of, of, of hope. Uh, when I was doing my graduate work in anthropology, there was sort of like, uh, it was kind of a morbid sense of despair, like where are we headed? But now I found this new generation, and they're like 20 years younger than I, uh, much more optimistic about their place and what the role of anthropology can be in provoking thought and what, what role anthropology can have in, in Encouraging kind of, uh, I will, uh, the, the word progressive is bandied about and it's vague, but mm -hmm. in, in kind of, again, the, uh, the, the, the idea of listening. How can voices be heard? What can anthropology right. do to contribute that? And again, uh, I was really impressed by how the authors, potential authors with whom I spoke, uh, saw Cornell as a real, really attractive vehicle for these kinds of uh, goals. Yeah, I think that's... Um... I like the idea of us as a publisher, and maybe you know, not just Cornell, but just publishing in general, having a role to play in that and not being passive, but trying to be proactive and, and look for solutions. I mean, there are some really interesting platforms being developed, mainly by university presses and in conjunction with Mellon grants and things like that, um, that, that would, I think, you know, would be possibly really appropriate for that kind of like a multi, um, I don't want to say multimedia because it's such a hackneyed term in some ways, but you know, different, yeah, it is multimedia in a sense, way of producing content. And maybe like, yeah, trying to put ourselves in that position so that we're, like you said, so that, you know, when you're looking at early career people wanting to come to Cornell to be published. You know, it's it's you, it's me, it's the rest of the team, but it's also maybe the things we can offer that aren't the traditional, right? So, yeah, that's... Um, I, I, your point about the... Uh, the youth is maybe the wrong way of putting it, but the, 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 the uh, early career part of the, of the uh, conference there... I thought that was really noticeable how many people came through the, like the percentage of people coming through the book room who were at the start of their careers as opposed to, to you know, emeritus or, um, you know, full professor. And I thought that was really kind of, um, I feel like that's different. I hadn't seen that for a long time where, it, you know, you get that sort of burst of energy of people who are trying to find their, their spot and change things. So that was really cool as well. Yeah. Anything else? I also um, had a number of meetings with people whose um, academic homes were outside of the, the Northern Academy, mm -hmm. and I found that very um, inspiring as well, because that's another aspiration of mine as an editor, to get more scholars from uh, South Asia, uh -huh. from Africa, from uh, South America, uh, other regions other than the United States and Europe and Canada. I think that's a, um, a strength of Cornell, is that we have a lot of non-US-based or North America-based uh, authors. It also, as a, as a 
marketing and sales guy, I, like, I'm like, well, how do I, what does that do to, you know, our ability to sell a book in the US? You know, does it, does it hinder it in any potential way? I don't know that it does. It's just always a question, you know, when I, when I, uh, I always look to see where an author's based because I always know that, like the, the, give me an example, the Barnes & Noble College buyer is going to say, where's this person based? And then I, I say, well, you know, they're in Australia. Oh, yeah, okay, well, there's no big Barnes & Nobles in Australia, right? So, you know, what does that do? But I think it's, you know, we, we talk a lot about diversity in our current culture, so why not make our author geographical location aspect as diverse as possible as well and that's kind of yeah props to you that well i want to i just kind of want to expand upon that because um anthropology really is a global discipline so Mm -hmm. and i and by my even expressing expressing what 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 i perceived in these in these geographical boundaries is is a misrepresentation and i think more and more especially as anthropologists um rely upon new kinds of technologies and as we develop in, in, in coordination with them, new ways of presenting and packaging information. The idea of, of, of location of the scholar is going to become increasingly irrelevant. It might even be a, a strength. Interesting. Because, because I don't think, I think boundary sense is, is going to change. Well, and, and that is the benefit of what, you know, what we do now as well, is that we are global as a publisher, right? And we can print a book in a different country at the same time as we do it in the U.S. And we can disseminate the content through digital platforms and through metadata feeds instantly around the world. So yeah, I mean, it ties in. We're a global publisher doing global content by global authors, yeah. Uh, next year's AAA is in... San Jose, California. San Jose, California. So you're looking forward to that already? Yeah, that's close to my uh, my roots and <laughs> my intellectual roots up, up the way a bit. So. What's the nearest uh, NBA team for that? Unfortunately, the Warriors, and I have to say that uh, the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs have priced even the nosebleed seats out of my range, so I probably might go to a Stanford women's game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll look forward to that for next year, um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully you can get a ticket to that game. Thank you, Martin. All Thanks right. Always everyone. a pleasure. Thanks, Jim. That was Jim Lance, Senior Acquisitions Editor for Anthropology. You can visit our website, cornellpress.cornell.edu, And you can browse all of our anthropology titles. Uh, We have a new subject catalog on there. um, And you can uh, take a look and see what's out there. In the meantime, that was 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. Mm -hmm.